Hi, it's Joanna Oki here and welcome back to the Deal Room podcast brought to you by our commercial legal practice, Aspect Legal. Now, today we have Elizabeth Lee back with us to talk about this area of due diligence in an acquisition of a business. And we're actually going to talk about this in two parts. So this will be a two-part series. In the first part, we'll talk about due diligence in small transactions And in the second part, we'll talk about due diligence in larger transactions. And we're doing this because due diligence can take a lot of time. And so it's really about finding the appropriate level. All of this and more in this episode of the Deal Room Podcast. Here we go. Ladies and gentlemen. Good evening. Are you ready? Okay, here we go. You're listening to the Deal Room Podcast. Join us as we bring you the inside scoop on business sales and acquisitions. Get across trends in the area. And hear the industry's best recount their real-life tips, traps, and experiences. Now, here's your host, Joanna Oki. So welcome back, Liz. Good to have you back on the program. Thanks for having me back, Joanna. Great. Okay. Look, let's start off with due diligence. What is it? Um, Let's maybe talk about why we do due diligence and what it is, Liz. Oh, look, due diligence is a very important part of the sale and purchase process because as a buyer, you want to make sure that you have done all your checks on the company from a legal perspective as well as from a financial and tax perspective because, it, you know, you, you really need to have assurance uh, that your investment is going to be a good one. Absolutely. And, and, and I guess it's about ensuring the assets that you think or the value that you think you're getting in the business, A, is there and B, is protected and C, there aren't risks in the business that you're not aware of uh, at the point of acquisition. Yes, Absolutely. All right, so let's talk about, um, in part one here, we're talking specifically about smaller transactions. And as I alluded to in the introduction, we're talking about smaller transactions versus larger transactions. Um, and, and I guess, you know, the way we're categorizing it perhaps isn't exactly correct. Um, really, what we're looking at here is lower risk transactions versus larger risk transactions. And and with any transaction, no matter what the size, there is complexity in deciding the appropriate level of due diligence, I think, Liz, right? I think it really starts with standing back and saying, okay, well, what is this acquisition all about? Where does the value lie in this business or this company, depending on what we're purchasing? What's the risk levels and therefore how much time, energy and money should we be pouring into the due diligence process for this particular acquisition? Yes, absolutely correct. Because with every acquisition, it's different. Every business is different. They all have their um, different value and, and risk points. And therefore, it's very important to step back at the outset to figure out, well, what is this business about? Where, where are the key value points and, and the risk points? 
Absolutely, absolutely. And I think, you know, many times, uh, uh, I guess, we see, you know, when, when we're acting for a seller, perhaps, due diligence checklists sent in that sometimes can be out of all proportion to the value of the business, the level of risk in a business. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking right now, Liz, of a transaction we had uh, a month or so ago, which was a fairly small transaction. And the due diligence process went on for, I think, months, right? Do you, I, you probably know what I'm talking yeah, about yes, here. <laughs> yes, I do remember now. Um, yes, yes. It was a very small transaction, um, but the the questions, uh, you know, were very extensive. Mm. And we're talking under a million dollars here. And, and, and to have due diligence processes going on for months on end for transactions under that $1 million mark with a low risk profile, I, I think, you know, just demonstrates where perhaps the lawyers haven't really sat down and really thought carefully about where the real risk is in the business and what the commercial reality is of what they're digging to find. Yes, that's right. Because, you know, some lawyers are very keen on ticking the boxes and very yeah. keen on finding that agreement, you know, that reflects the transaction where in the case of small businesses, very often you don't have that cookie cutter agreement that's sitting there that reflects a particular aspect that they're trying to investigate. You know, that, that I think that sometimes lawyers have to appreciate that you just got to make do with what you're given and then advise accordingly. Yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. All right, well, look, let's run through the sorts of things, Liz, we would be looking at if we're looking at due diligence in a low-risk slash small-value transaction. And when we say small value, we're talking, you know, under a million dollars here, and it's not necessarily small value to the seller or buyer. But we're just talking comparatively. <laughs> no, no, and 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 you know, there's still there's still, even though you know it's under a million dollars, it's still real money we're talking about exactly. here, and uh, there there are still some key core searches that and and investigations that we would do in 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 that scenario you want to make sure that the ownership structure is properly reflected on the public records to to make sure that who they say owns the business actually owns the business very basic things yeah it sounds basic, doesn't it? But we, we have in many instances found very interesting results from uh, doing basic searches in relation to the ownership behind the uh, entities that are being purchased or the businesses are being purchased out of. So um, so I think that's a really good point. And, and I guess here we're potentially also looking at historical searches so we can see previous directors and shareholders as well. Mm, that's right. So, you know, other things we look at are commercial contracts, such as with the customers and suppliers. We would off, we would ask, well, what are your contracting terms? You know, do you have any key contracts that are in place? And and that is done with, in conjunction with the purchaser as well. You know, so that we can understand from the purchaser what the purchaser perceives as key value for the business, you know, whether there's some key customers in there. Uh, so, so we need to check those contracts. You know, general uh, IP. Um, and, and sorry, just stepping back there a bit, you know, into the commercial contracts, I guess, you know, the other things that we're really sort of teasing out here, it's, it's perhaps useful to add, you, you know, we're really looking closely at expiry dates and termination for convenience and, and how changing control will operate with 
within the agreements that are in place at the present time, because that can also impact how the flow of the transaction will happen after exchange and, and before completion or settlement in terms of what we're going to have to do in order to get all of these contracts across to the new owner or the authorizations and consents that may be required under changing control clauses. Mm-hmm. Yep, correct. And then I, I guess it's useful to say we, we're also generally interested, stepping back to that ownership side, in whether businesses have any sort of litigation in their history, whether any of the business owners have had any bankruptcy in their history. And, you know, sometimes we're also inquiring if a business is owned by a trust, that the trustee actually has the power to own, operate or sell the business as appropriate. Yeah, that's right. And and you you check on intellectual property side of things to make sure that if if the comp that if the business you're buying actually has IP that it's important for the operation of the business that the IP is uh, appropriately owned by the business. So you check the employment contracts to make sure that there's you know, IP vesting clauses from from the employees. Which is a really an important element as well when we're talking about IP, just tracking that chain of title of ownership to ensure that the business actually does have ownership of that intellectual property that it says it has ownership of. And if that's an asset that is of uh, strong value in the organisation, then it's really important that that chain of title is clearly evidenced in the business um, so that if there's any issues for the new owner moving forward, they have the appropriate documentation to establish ownership over time. And that can include, as you say, Liz, looking at employment agreements and assignment clauses, looking at contracting agreements, and looking at all of the agreements that have related to the creation and the ownership of that intellectual property. Mm. And, uh, you know, uh, people are always important in, in a business. And so we check through the employment contracts and the contractor's agreement to make sure that they contain appropriate protections for the business, such as restraints, confidentiality, and, and IP. So they're really important to check out. So it's just so that, you know, the purchaser can be informed um, going into this business as to whether or not there's adequate protection. Mm, absolutely. And look, employees and contractors, that element is um, a number of podcasts in its own. And if you're interested in this area, we've, we've got a number of podcasts where we've already talked about this topic and certainly we'll talk about more of that into the future. But from the due diligence process, as Liz says, we're looking at the contracts and Potentially, you know, for smaller matters, we may or may not go further than that. But sometimes we may go further and look at um, what the systems and processes have been in the past in the organisation in relation to dealing with staff uh, matters, say, for example, f- performance, uh, KPI management and all, all of those sorts of things. Yeah. So then popping, I guess, uh, to finance. Uh, finance is another area that we look at, Liz. Yeah, not so uh, deep really for for the smaller businesses because that's an area that the purchaser will focus more on. From a finance perspective, we check the PPSR register to make sure that there's no encumbrances that's on the public register because obviously you want to make sure that they're discharged. And I guess just to spell this out, the PPSR for us is now (laughs) – 
<laughs> and common language, but many people listening to it may may not um, know the regime here in Australia. The PPSR is the Personal Property Securities Register, where details are contained of security interests registered against an organisation. So say, for example, if they've borrowed money or if they have equipment that is uh, leased or financed in some way. That's right. I mean, you know, um, the, the old style fixed and floating charges, that's where they're now registered on the PPSR. And I, I guess the other things that we're looking at here from a finance perspective is, um, you know, making these inquiries, ensuring that we understand what finance is sitting around in the business and whether these finance facilities will be continued. Because sometimes that's the case that finance facilities will be continued to a purchaser. So it's important for us to understand where they sit at the time of acquisition and what will happen to those um, and, and what's required to transfer those by both the seller and the buyer. Yeah. And then I guess moving on to um, IT systems, this is another area that we might have a look at from a legal perspective, not from the IT perspective. <laughs> yeah, it depends on the business. You know, some businesses are less reliant. That All they do is use off-the-shelf software, but there may be businesses that are more reliant on particular systems and, and that's where we have to check out the contracts just to make sure that, that there's appropriate assignment clauses in there. Absolutely, yeah. So, and it's coming back to this assignment, the underlying IP issues, I guess, here again. And, you know, there's also uh, a question sometimes in relation to the licences that relate to an organisation. Obviously, there's the usual licences that every organisation will have, but some organisations, businesses are dependent upon particular uh, software. So, it's important then to understand how the licences will transfer if they do, to to the new owner. Yeah. All right. I guess insurance is probably another thing that we look at. Yeah. So it's just a general question on what insurances they have in place. So at least, you know, the purchaser knows whether it's adequately covered. Yeah. And once again, what insurances will transfer to it versus insurances that it will now have to arrange. And of course, here we're talking about the differences between a sale of business versus a sale of shares in a company. And then I guess litigation searches. So this is something that is often quite important, although many clients in smaller transactions won't require this sort of searching. We're unlikely to be doing litigation searches, perhaps more a general search engine search on to see if, if the court uh, has cases that includes the business where litigation may be on foot, you know, or even, you know, sometimes it's interesting to see history of litigation in relation to the business. Once again, one of these things that we would delve much deeper in for larger or um, more riskier transactions than smaller transactions. Um, what else do we do, Liz? I guess regulatory. <laughs> that, that's probably the one thing we haven't talked about yet, considering, I guess, the licensing requirements of a business. Yeah, whether the business has any specific licenses or approvals that, you know, from government to, to operate. Yeah, absolutely. And and the other thing to consider is if the business turns over more than $3 million per annum, it will be caught by the Privacy Act. But even if it doesn't turn over that amount and, and it's not caught by the other exemptions, i.e. even if it's not caught by the Privacy Act, if the buyer is caught by the Privacy Act, so it 
has a business that's turning over more than $3 million that it's bringing this business into, then the Privacy Act might be quite relevant. So there might be issues that we have to delve into, even for smaller matters, if the buyer is caught by the Privacy Act. So that's something that can be a trick for the unwary in terms of looking at some of those sorts of issues in a business. Yeah, yeah. And and depending on the industry the business is in, uh, even if it's turning over less than $3 million, that business might well be caught because there are some certain exceptions under the Privacy Act where the business could be caught. Mm, absolutely, like health service providers, uh, for example. So, have we forgotten anything there, Liz? Anything else you can throw in here? Property lease, that's very important. Good point. And, and that one is probably one of the key contracts in a s- smaller business transaction. Where it's location dependent, I, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, and, and plus the whole process of getting, you know, less or consent can be quite a long and arduous process. So you'd want to make sure you look at it very quickly and deal with it, I suppose, uh, and, and figure out how to move that along. Yeah, absolutely. Perhaps we haven't talked generally about looking at any other assets of the business that we've not captured here. So there might be fixed assets that um, we need to have a look at and identified to ensure that uh, we're comfortable with the ownership or the state of those assets. So it's about, as we said earlier, understanding what the value is in the business and driving into those areas of value to ensure that you understand both the ownership side and also the risk position in each of those areas. Good. Well, look, I think that's a great run through of smaller transactions or lower risk transactions. In part two, we will be back to talk about larger transactions or higher risk transactions and the more detailed approach that we might take to due diligence for them. So we look forward to having you on board to listen to part two in a week's time. And of course, if you are a business or you work with businesses who would like to have a chat about determining the right level of legal DD for a potential acquisition or in gearing up for a sale, our team of legal legals would be only too happy to have a free chat about an appropriate and commercial approach from the legal perspective. Just pop over to our website at www.aspectlegal.com com.au and there you can have access to a calendar where you can book in a time to speak to either me or one of our other legal eagles as part of Aspect Legal. Well, thanks again for listening in. This has been Joanna Oki and the Deal Room Podcast, a podcast proudly brought to you by our commercial legal practice, Aspect Legal. See you next time. Ladies and gentlemen, Ladies and gentlemen. that will conclude this evening's entertainment. Thanks for listening to The Deal Room Podcast. To find out more about this episode and other episodes in the series, check out the show notes or head over to our website at thedealroompodcast.com.au.